Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is not often on a Saturday. In the summer in particular, we're saying, I wish we'd get a little rain. But here we are waiting for the rain that just will not come um it may be raining where you are depending if you're in southern minnesota or out in western minnesota there are some spots i would say the heaviest rain right now is in that area down around worthington and jackson kind of along that i-90 corridor over toward albert lee and then there is some Scattered shower activity east of the St. Croix, I would say right now southwest to Rice Lake. And then there's some scattered shower activity between Alexandria and Wilmer and back toward the South Dakota line. But uh, not widespread rain in something we need. And, and generally we don't want that on a Saturday or a Sunday in the summertime because there, there aren't many of those days. But we do need the rain, and as you heard a moment ago with Al, uh, the forecast doesn't look all that promising beyond today. Uh, tonight it'll be cool, breezy, a low near 53. Then on Sunday, sunny in 72, but we jump up to Haiti on Monday, and then Tuesday, 85, 86 on Wednesday, and there is a mention, but only a slight chance, of showers, maybe a thunderstorm by the end of the week. So after all that snow and all that runoff and flooding in some of the rivers and streams around the state, uh, here we are dry again uh, here in the greater Twin Cities area and beyond. So we'll, we'll keep an eye on it for you, but uh, the radar not showing much. Once again, the big stuff down along I-90, that Minnesota-Iowa border area. The NBA Finals, it is all Denver. And the Nuggets win another game in Miami, and they go up three games to one. And after Denver won the opening game, I thought Miami has no chance. And then Miami stormed back late in the game and won game four or game two, played a great fourth quarter in that game. I uh, went back to the old standby, don't count out the Miami Heat. But now they're in big trouble after losing two games at home. And I I think what we've seen in this NBA final to this point is just how superior Denver is. And Miami had a great run, there's no question. 
Uh, they went up 3-0 on the Celtics, hold them off in a game seven. They they are a good team. There is no doubt about it. But uh, the Denver Nuggets, number one seed in the NBA's Western Conference, I, I think they've shown four games into the series that they are the best team in the NBA. And barring an unfortunate injury or a major collapse, will be your NBA champions. And Aaron Gordon came out of the woodwork 27 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists. He was the hero. So when you have a deep team and you have some guy um, step up in a situation to win a game like they did last night and really pulled away in that game, I I watched a good chunk of the second half of that game, and I, and I really felt like Miami uh, had a chance to get back into the game. I know they cut the lead to single digits, but it never felt like they had enough to get over the hump in that game last night. Nikola Jokic, uh, 23 points, 12 rebounds, just four assists in the game. Jamal Murray had 15 points, 12 assists in the game last night, but Aaron Gordon led the way with 27 in that game. And if you're wondering when the finals resume, It'll be on Monday night, Monday night, 7.30 our time, Miami and Denver with the Nuggets up three games to one in that series and a chance for the Nuggets to wrap up their first NBA title. Coming up a little bit later on, we'll talk hockey. Jess Myers will join us from the rink live. Uh, Twins and Blue Jays a little bit later today. And Jorge Polanco will go on the injured list, Eduardo Julian. Uh, will come up. Edward Julian uh, w- was called up from AAA St. Paul. We'll have more on that as well as we count you down to the lineup card today at 1.30. Pre-game lineup card, 1.30, first pitch, 2.10 today as the Twins try and win game two of that three-game set. And I like their chances. Joe Ryan on the mound, 7-3, and three, is ERA 2.76. And he will be opposing Trevor Richards for the Blue Jays at Rogers Center. And it's been called Rogers Center for a long time. I still want to call it Sky Dome. And there's a lot of talk around the big leagues on what teams need to do ballparks. The Twins are in Tampa Bay to play the Rays. Almost since the day uh, the Rays were born, there's been talk that someday they'll need a new ballpark, but they had this ironclad 30-year lease. And then there was that crazy idea that the Blue Jays would spend part of their time in a new ballpark in Florida and part of their time in Montreal, which may have been one of the more ridiculous ideas in the history of sports, that a team in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, would share a team with a team in Tampa Bay, Florida, United States. It made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Where they'd start the year down in Florida and finish the year in Montreal, like extended spring training, (laughs) and then move uh, to Montreal where I hear the summers are nice. But that, that never came to fruition. And now Tampa Bay, uh, Year in and year out, it's competitive. But this year, they, they've arguably been the best team in the major leagues, and they swept the Twins earlier this week in a three-game series. So my, my point being is 
they need a new ballpark and have needed a new ballpark for years. At some point, they will get one in the Tampa Bay, Tampa, St. Petersburg area, or they'll move on. We know how that goes. The Oakland A's uh, have been playing in the Coliseum ever since I can remember. They moved to Oakland from Kansas City way back in the day. And they, they've been playing at what was the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum. They have had sponsorship deals. And then they shared that facility with the Raiders. The Raiders moved to L.A. They come back. They build the monstrosity called Mount Davis out in center field, which was to add suites and football seating. But it wrecked the ballpark. And the city of Oakland, uh, Alameda County, hasn't put any. It's a dump um, for all practical purposes. Uh, the A's have been competitive thanks to the Moneyball strategy. But uh, this year, the, wor- the worst team in the major leagues because the, the thought is Las Vegas is next uh, for that team. So the A's have needed a ballpark. Those are probably the big two. What I am surprised by, and the Toronto Blue Jays started their run in the major leagues in a thing called Exhibition Stadium, which looked like kind of a funky soccer facility that they turned into a major league facility until Sky Dome opened, which at the time with the retractable roof and the hotel in the outfield, you know, was state of the art. I am surprised we haven't heard more, long story short, that the Toronto Blue Jays want a new ballpark at some point in Canada's largest city. I have not heard talk about that. I I haven't dug particularly deep, but I know about the A's situation. I know about the Rays situation, but uh, there hasn't been a lot of talk, as far as I know, about the Blue Jays demanding a new ballpark. But uh, Twins and Jays will be from Toronto coming up with the lineup card beginning at 1.30. And the first pitch after 2.10, Ryan against Richards today. Twins won 3-2 in 10 innings. We'll have much more on that a little bit later on in the program. By the way, we'll also have, uh, following the news and weather at 1, Phil Miller from the Star Tribune uh, covers the Twins. Uh, he was in Tampa Bay uh, for that three-game series. So we'll talk about uh, Twins Bay's Paul with Phil Miller from the Star Tribune at 110 today. Here on News Talk, A3OWCCO. Coming up next, all things hockey. Stanley Cup final continues. Florida is alive. They win in overtime. And uh, we'll be joined by Jess Myers from the rink live. And Hill Murray hockey, Hill Murray girls hockey, has a very familiar name as their new head coach. We'll get into all of that coming up here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. NHL Stanley Cup Final. We got a series after Vegas dominated the first two games in Nevada. Uh, They go back to Florida, and the Panthers pull one out. And i got to give credit to NHL.com. The headline on the story, Matthew to Clutch. I love that. Jess Myers joins us from the rink live. That's pretty good. I, I like that you started out with California love. I thought uh, Kenley Jansen was coming in to pitch for the Dodgers, but that's maybe five <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty good stuff. Uh, tip of the cap to Josh Wheeler. 
Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, good good memories for us Dodgers fans of, you know, three years ago when they were actually World Series champions. But anyway, yeah, uh, Matthew Kachuk, you know, figured it out. He took a really hard hit early on in that game three and in Sunrise, Florida, and, you know, questioned whether he was going to be able to come back. He went in the concussion protocol, all that. Sure enough, he comes back, and, and they tie the game late with the, with the goalie pulled, and they win it in overtime. So, uh, Florida had to treat Game Three like it was Game Seven. You can't go down three nothing in a series, especially in the Stanley Cup Final. Um, and it's one of those things. I always say this in the NFL, but it applies in just about every sport. Uh, when all else is equal, go with the more desperate team. And I think Florida showed that they were definitely the the more desperate team in that one. But uh, hey, we got ourselves a series now. Two two games to one. We know nobody's going to get swept. We know that there's going to be a at least one more game back in Vegas. So. Uh, very interesting turn of events in this one. And, Steve, in hockey, they say you need two great things in the, in the playoffs to succeed. You need great goaltending, and you need to stay out of the penalty box. Well, Florida's only got one of those things, and only in one game, because Sergei Bobrovsky wasn't great in games one and two. Oh. Uh, in fact, got, got yanked in, in one of the games. Um, so they hadn't gotten great goaltending up until game three, and they haven't stayed out of the penalty box with any regularity at all. That's uh, kind of been the theme for these Panthers not only in this round, but in all the rounds, is, man, this team takes a lot of penalties. Yeah, and after getting outscored 12-4 to in Vegas, to come back and win in overtime is good because that, that means there's going to be more hockey, at least instead of four games, there's going to be five, as you alluded to. By the way, game four tonight uh, on uh, TNT, TBS, or uh, if you're north of the border, uh, CBC, I will have it as well. And then uh, Game 5 would be Tuesday uh, night uh, back in Vegas, as you pointed out. And, you know, the the thing is, is there's so much hand-wringing about, well, is Vegas, Florida going to bring in hockey fans? I think if you're a hockey fan, a hardcore hockey fan, you know, you're, you're watching the Stanley Cup Final. I, I think there's probably way too much discussion over television ratings and who's paying attention by who's in the final. Just kick back and enjoy the competition. There was great drama in Game 3. It was good sports entertainment in that game. And and this is my thing, too. If you're a hockey fan, I don't care who's playing in the Stanley Cup final necessarily. Yeah. It's a, but this time of year, I always kind of get that little sense of desperation, realizing you know, at most we're going to have, what, four more games, and then we've got about three months with, uh, with no NHL on TV, which is, is tough to deal with. You know, granted, you have some international tournaments and things like that. Yeah. You've got the draft and some things to occupy you, but, but watching the last game of the Stanley Cup final is always kind of a tough one for me because somebody's going to hoist the cup, and then, and then the depression sets in that, man, we, we don't have any hockey to watch for a couple months. That's, that's a hard one. Well, when does the beauty league start? You've always got that. Oh, you got the beauty league, and and that starts in July generally, and that's some great entertainment. And it, you know, and the uh, they charge to get into Braemar Arena, but they, it all goes to charity. And then this is a new one this year too, Stephen. I've got to look into this because I don't know all the details, but they've started what's called the Selly League as well, which is some of the top women's hockey players from Minnesota are doing nice. the same kind of thing where they're getting together. Uh, you know, I think it's one night a week later in the summer to, to just get some ice time in and things like that. So uh, a lot of fun places you can still, can still get hockey too. And, you know, hockey camp season. So if you're a hockey parent, you're probably taking your, your kid to a hockey camp somewhere or getting some summer hockey for him. So, uh, you know, the, the joke is the only time they don't play now is in the winter. 
That, yeah, that, there you go. Uh, Jess Myers joins us from the rink live on the John Schuster Coldwell Banker Hotline. So once again, a Game 4 Stanley Cup Final uh, coming up tonight, 7 o'clock Eastern time. So uh, the, y- y- you've got that. Uh, maybe Twins today, uh, Stanley Cup Final uh, tonight. There is some interesting news locally, and that is Natalie Darwitz, one of the great legends of hockey uh, men's, women's, boys, girls in this state. Just a phenomenal talent. She was at the U with Brad Frost coaching the Golden Gopher women's team. Uh, she has departed and going back to the high school game. That, that, that That's pretty big news, and she'll be at Hill Murray. Well, and it's, it was a crazy kind of 48 hours because all of a sudden on Monday, a friend of mine points out Natalie Darwitz's picture is not on the Gopher hockey, women's hockey website anymore. She, she is not listed as one of the coaches, so I started making some phone calls, and it turns out, yeah, um, neither side will talk in, in too much detail about, uh, about the departure, but it sounds like one of those classic things, Steve, where there were just kind of philosophical differences between the head coach and the assistant coach uh, uh, about how to, you know, kind of run things, recruiting-wise on the ice, all of that. You know, no shame in saying, uh, for whatever reason, this, this isn't working out exactly the way we wanted to, so they decided to part ways. A lot of rumors were flying on Monday because the Minnesota Whitecaps, the, the pro women's hockey team here in Minnesota, is still looking for a head coach. So there were a lot of rumors that Natalie Darwitz would be going that way and maybe be the head coach of the Whitecaps. Turns out, less than 48 hours later, Hill Murray, of all places, you know, one of the, the true prep hockey powerhouses in Minnesota, announces that Natalie Darwitz and Jake Bobrovsky, who was her longtime assistant coach at Hamlin when they were taking Hamlin to the national championship game, uh, they're going to be the co-head coaches at, at Hill Murray starting this season. So just a, a fantastic acquisition for Hill Murray, which already had a, you know, one of the top programs in the state, and now they bring in arguably two of the greatest coaches in women's hockey to their side. So talking to Natalie Darwitz, she said, you know, some people might perceive it as a step backwards, but she's uh, at that point in her life with two little kids where she said a little less time on the road, a little more time at home is probably going to be good for her and her family. So uh, so good for them and, and best of luck to them. A couple of theories on this. Number one, I, I thought she was, you know, set up to be the heir apparent to Brad Frost. Now, Brad's still a young man and had great success with the Golden Gopher women's hockey team, but it seems as though when Darwitz joined that that would be the plan, that at some point – Brad would step away. Natalie Darwitz would take the keys to, to that program. That, that was kind of the natural assumption. And keep in mind, too, middle of last winter, middle of the season, she was elevated from assistant coach to associate head coach, so was even given more power within that system. Now, I think you would be really hard-pressed to argue with what Brad Frost has done. So that's oh, not yeah. like uh, there, there are problems in this program. You know, they made the Frozen Four last year. They've, they've won a WCHA title with regularity just about every year. Now, granted, it's been, I want to say, eight years since they won a, a national championship. And you know Gopher fans, Steve. I mean, the expectation is win the national championship every year or it was a lousy year. So that, that's maybe unrealistic. But I know there is some pressure there. And keep in mind, Natalie Darwitz isn't going anywhere. If, if two, three, four, five years from now, Brad Frost decides, you know what, that's it for me, I'm going to hang it up, um, Natalie Darwitz is still here in the market. The other name that I would keep an eye on as far as, you know, if, if there's a, a gopher women's hockey change down the road is Nadine Muzzerall, the coach at Ohio State, you know, former gopher herself. 
She's led the Buckeyes to a national championship. She's obviously established some pretty good things there. And I wonder if she wouldn't be interested in coming back to Minnesota where she had so much success as an assistant coach and as a player. So uh, uh, some interesting stuff to think about down the road. But for right now, Brad Frost is not going anywhere. And I, I have a theory as well on the move by Hill Murray to have an opportunity to get Natalie Darwitz and, uh, is the, the fact that Gentry Academy won that section that Hill Murray plays in. I, I saw Hill Murray girls play quite a bit. I, I called a number of games at NSPN, uh, saw the run to the state tournament. Gentry ultimately wins the state title. And I have a feeling where Hill Murray is kind of like, all right, you know, Gent- the, 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 there, there's quite a battle. And then you had Stillwater, a really good program over East Metro as well, all playing in that same section. And, you know, Hill Murray is, you know, kind of going all in and saying, hey, we want to take back control of uh, girls' hockey in the East Metro. You know, if you were going to make a Mount Rushmore of female hockey players from Minnesota, I think you'd have to start with Winnie Brote, you know, who was kind of the original superstar for Roseville. I think then you would go Natalie Darwitz and Chrissy Wendell. Yep. And I'm, yep. I'm torn on the fourth one, but Natalie Darwitz and Chrissy Wendell have been a, a pair forever playing with the Gophers, playing on Olympic teams. You know, I know they're, they're good friends off the ice. They're both in the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame together. Well, keep in mind, Chrissy Wendell's married to Johnny Pohl, and Johnny Pohl just happens to be the athletic director at Hill Murray. Yeah. So you don't have to... Uh, you don't have to work too hard to, to find a connection there of, of maybe why this has worked out uh, the way it is. Yeah, and uh, w- once again, uh, Hill, Hill Murray would uh, like to get back to the state tournament sooner than later. I, I absolutely that not a not a surprise. Well, Jets always good. Hopefully, you're spending some time on the boat and relax. I, I'm I'm on the end of my dock up in up in Aiken County right now as we talk, Steve. Nice. So. Uh, a little cloudy up here today. That's all right, though. You know, we needed a little rain. We got some rain last night, and, uh, you know, you don't want to get too dry. You don't want the lake level to drop too much. So summer in Minnesota, hard to beat it. Yeah, and I, we are waiting for rain here in the cities. I, I, I don't know if we're going to get it. I, I'm i keeping my fingers crossed. We need some rain. Well, I've got a rain barrel in my front yard in Invergrove Heights, and it is dead empty. So if we could uh, get the clouds <laughs> to open up for a good hour, I, I would take it. All right, sounds good, Jess. Always fun. Thank you. Thanks, Steve. All right, there he is, Jess Myers from the Rink Live. Quick break. We'll have an update on the weather. Uh, we'll talk uh, PGA Live. Huge sports story earlier. This, this was just a lightning bolt that came out of nowhere. The PGA Tour and uh, Live Golf are, are, for all practical pur- purposes, merging and becoming one entity. And we will get into that. And how complicated this is on a number of fronts. And then uh, we'll count you down to the Twins and the Blue Jays. Game two of the three-game set from Toronto. Our lineup card coming your way at 1.30 today here on News Talk. E3-O-W-C-C-O. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. 
and so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Still one of the big stories in sports and one of the more shocking stories in sports is this out-of-the-blue merger between the PGA Tour and who is funding the Live Tour led by Greg Norman. And that is... uh, the uh, Saudi Arabian money, the public investment fund. And it's pretty clear in the, in the wake of that announcement on Tuesday, and I happened to be walking into a meeting in uh, my full-time job in the printing business, and one of the VPs said, did you hear the PGA Tour and Live are merging? And I'm like, What? It didn't seem possible. These were the Hatfields and McCoys. This was like Vern Gagne and Nick Bockwinkle joining forces way back in the day. It just wouldn't happen. I, I had to throw in uh, an old school AWA reference. But, but in reality, I mean, two arch rivals, uh, the, there was a lot of bitterness over the split and the players that joined live and the players that stayed loyal to the PGA tour. And here we are, uh, producer Josh Wheeler, uh, joining and producer Jonathan Lowe and worked with Jonathan for a lot of years here. We talk a lot of golf and, and Jonathan, I, I was shocked. I think anybody who follows golf was shocked by the development, but now as more time passes, you get a clearer understanding of why it was done. Yeah, it. Um, by the way, uh, always good to join you, Stevie T, on a on a Saturday, beautiful Saturday afternoon in the summertime. Um, this was the speed of this, and the fact that it just basically came out of nowhere. There was no kind of no warning of this. Well, there um, weren't a lot of people involved. The way it sounds, Jay Monahan, uh, some other people with ties to the tour ultimately sitting down directly with, with the money people with Saudi Arabia and the public investment fund that they say is worth over $600 billion. And they got Liv started with the help of Greg Norman and then landed these players. But it it, it clearly became a money game where they were just going to be able to outspend the PGA Tour and, and ultimately get what they want. So the PGA Tour thought, all right, l- l- let's try and get a deal done where we have some say about our future going forward. Yeah, it's and and don't forget the the World Tour, the DP World Tour, also the the formerly known as the European Tour, Correct. is yep. also in on this, and they probably said the same thing. Um, the fact that again the speed of this, like you said, was was stunning to to know that this was not coming down, and then all of a sudden, boom, it's here. But also the fact of how this was done from Monahan's side, where he didn't inform his players, and the fact that Greg Norman on the Live Tour side wasn't involved in these negotiations either. They all found out basically at the same time the, pub, the rest of the public did. 
So that leaves so many questions on not just how this thing is going to work out, what the logistics are going to be, but also the leadership going forward. Is is Norman going to be in a role that keeps him on this leadership board? Is well, does Monahan ha- Monahan have the trust of his players to even go forward with this? Well, it, in, initially I thought that they got to get rid of him. The players have to come up with another plan. But if you take a step back and understand that it, it is in reality all about the money. First of all, from the Saudis' side, they don't care about Greg Norman. What they wanted is is they wanted a bigger stake in men's professional golf on a worldwide level. And their strategy was, let's start a tour, force a merger. Now, they will be a minority shareholder. They're going to pump money into it. I would assume in return that they're going to want more events, particularly they already have a bunch of events on the DP or the European tour in the Middle East. So I'm sure they're going to want some of that. But what what ultimately they wanted is just a bigger hand in men's professional golf, kind of like they have a bigger role in Formula One. They have a growing role in soccer around the world, especially at the highest level. So so their goal was, Greg Norman doesn't matter. And if the people on the PGA Tour say we want nothing to do with Greg Norman, they get rid of Greg Norman. They, they write a check, they pay him off. To me, the biggest challenge is going to be this. With, with them making peace, the legal fights are over, the PGA Tour, the Wall Street Journal had a piece, other entities have had a piece about the kind of money the PGA Tour was burning through just to fight the legal part of all of this. The big question is going to be those players like Dustin Johnson and Bryson DeChambeau and Phil Mickelson and Patrick Reed and others that signed big guaranteed contracts, how do you bring those guys back into the fold on the PGA Tour where the big stars that stayed loyal to the PGA Tour, like John Rahm and Rory McIlroy and Scotty Scheffler and Jordan Spieth, the list goes on and on, Tony Finau, etc., etc. How do you make that right so there is an animosity going forward? The one model, Jonathan, and I'm sure you've read this as well, and by the way, there's been a ton of great reporting on this, is that maybe those guys will need to buy their PGA Tour cards back. Yeah, that that could be a possibility. I I, I haven't read the story, but I did, did hear a report that the PGA Tour is going to invest in a fund that's going to basically kick back money to the the players that stayed loyal to the tour instead of sure. going over to live. So that might ease some tension a little bit. But one thing that I think right now is being severely underreported, and I guess because we're not close to that stage yet, this has to pass muster with the Department of Justice. The Department of Justice has to okay this before it goes forward. There are some people that are saying this ain't going to pass muster with them, and they're not going to approve it. So what happens if that goes on? Yeah, Yeah, you know, and those are all great points. It's still early, but... Based on what I've read this week and and all the people that cover the game for a living, 
get back to one thing, that the public investment fund, Saudi Arabia, for all practical purposes, have unlimited money. And the PGA Tour possibly couldn't win that. They could keep them tied up in court. They, 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 they could continue to do this for years and years and years and try and lure more and more players away. I mean, it, it, it was, in a way, a war of attrition. And you understand, and I have a better understanding. Now, I still don't have to like what the Saudi royal family has done on a number of issues. I don't like that. But you understand the business decision the PGA Tour made and how they sell it to the players. Of course, there was that that meeting ahead of the Canadian Open, which is underway right now. Uh, All reports are very contentious. There's still a long way to go before there is peace in golf, if you will, but... What a monster week. I'll say this. I'm kind of surprised that Jay Monahan made it out there, out of that players' meeting on <laughs> right. Wednesday, without yeah. being tarred and feathered. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm really shocked that because the way that it was sounding, the, the anger in that meeting was palpable. It was, it, you could cut it. You know, the, yeah. the whole thing, you could cut the air with a knife, you could cut. The anger with a knife. It was that visible and and actual. Um, it, there's so many questions coming out of this that they they need to address. Not just the the PGA management, but if if possible, if if they allow the the P, PIF, the the Saudi funding machine. Um, there are questions that they would need to answer as well, but it's it's going to be interesting to see what happens over the, especially over the next six months, because I believe this is supposed to kick in if this merger does go through. It's supposed to kick in basically in January. Yeah, and and we we can sum it up this way: imagine that professional sports uh, players management fighting over money. Uh, Ten minutes now. In front of 1 o'clock, quick break. Jonathan, always good to visit with you, Jonathan Lowe. Uh, by the way, Jonathan will be back uh, tomorrow. Uh, get us out of the Twins game. Get us to uh, the outdoor show with Rob. And then, of course, uh, Sunday night with Geraldine Steele and Steele Talk and here on News Talk. E3O, WCCO. Twins and Blue Jays, game two of the three-game series. Lineup card at 1.30, first pitch. 2.10 Central Time, 3.10 Toronto Time. A bit of an unusual start time, but we'll go with it. And Joe Ryan on the mound, more on that a little bit later on. Uh, back to Friday night, Twins needed a win. They were over on the road trip to Tampa Bay. And then, of course, they stop in Toronto in Game 1. And Michael A. Taylor came up huge in this game. And the 1-2 pitch, a drive yeah. to left field and deep. Back it goes, deep it goes, and gone. Michael A. Taylor on a 1-2 pitch, a two-run homer to left, and the Twins have a 2-0 lead here in the fifth inning. Blue Jays would get one back, make it 2-1, then 2-2, and they would uh, ultimately get this one into extra innings where the Twins would prevail. Speaking of Michael A. Taylor, uh, how about this? He does swing and hammer one to left field. Playable Merrifield to make the catch. Jeffers will tag. He is heading home. The throw to the plate. The catch and is dropped by Kirk. 
Jeffers scores. Lewis makes third. Twins take a 3-2 lead. And that turned out to be the game winner, but there were a lot of heroics from the flame-throwing reliever, Johan Duran. How about this? Righty to righty. In the ninth, the 1-2 pitch. He struck him out swinging. He chased a pitch in the dirt. A curveball at 87, and Bichette cannot hold back. And now Duran needs one more. Well, he would get one more and then close it out and get the win. Twins go on to get the 3-2 victory. Three runs, seven hits, one error. Two runs, eight hits, and one error. Twins get back to 500 at 32-32. and And they will take on the Toronto Blue Jays later today. And I like the Twins' chances with Joe Ryan on the mound. We'll have more on that. Phil Miller from the Star Tribune following the news. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. 